This is Keyshawn Rains, the host of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains, where amazing things happen. A series of past the collection plate style conversations with a Creole, queer, femme, yogi, mom, coach, author, and of course, podcast host with a nomadic soul, a quirky sense of humor, and an activator of empowerment. These conversations are just a chance for me to speak on ways to be mindful in a mindless world. Stories are shared, folks are empowered, inspired, and impacted to be more phenomenal versions of themselves through simple conversations about complex like love, life, and the pursuit of being real. Thanks for listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Working Title. This is Keyshawn Rains, and today we're going to have a conversation with a bona fide licensed practitioner of mental health. I reached out to this woman after, I'm going to give you one guess, (laughs) I listened to her speak in a clubhouse room. I think I'm just going to start calling this podcast season the clubhouse season because Last season was like the COVID season and there was very few episodes because I was really tired of talking about COVID. This year, now that we're in, I guess, a different stage of COVID, the conversations are starting to sound a little different. We have a little more perspective. There's a little more positivity. And I'm also spending a lot of time in clubhouse rooms. Why? Because some of these people really have some amazing things to say. So I heard this woman speak in a clubhouse room and the focus of the conversation was on mental health, mental health practices, self-care, and so on. And the reason why I asked her to be a guest on the podcast is because when she spoke in this room, she talked about her own battle with overcoming anxiety, overcoming stress, and what a lack of self-care actually looked like, which I thought was a pretty vulnerable way for someone to express themselves when they sit in the seat of an actual licensed therapist. I like authenticity. I like transparency. I like people who tell their real stories because I think that's what really makes people the most relatable and truthfully the most interesting. So I reached out to her and she said, yes. So today's conversation is with Valerie Carmel. She is a woman on a mission and her mission is to support other women in their battle to overcome anxiety, stress, and a lack of self-care to improve their mental and emotional well-being. She's been in this business for over 20 years, y'all. So she is a wealth of knowledge and a resource who's just giving away the goods, just giving them away, giving them away, giving them away. Like you don't even have to book a session. You don't have to call your insurance company. You could just really sit back and listen to this conversation and probably pick up a lot of really important nuggets. So sit back, get comfortable, go ahead and take a couple of long, deep cleansing breaths and get ready for another conversation. It's so lovely to have that initial, like, there's a real person on the other side of that voice, (laughs) you know, especially coming from like the clubhouse world. It's like just a voice. And then maybe you see their Instagram profile, but then there's like, yes, like an official nice to meet you. Yes. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Well, welcome. Thank you again so much for 
setting aside the time to have this conversation with me and to being a part of this passion project. So as we get started, I would like to just get us grounded fully in our bodies just to take a couple moments to just settle in. So find a comfortable position for your body if you'd like to let your eyes close or just bring your gaze downward and just take three deep breaths in through the nose and out through your mouth. inviting your whole self into this moment, into this experience, creating the space for this conversation to share, to learn, to grow, to laugh, to inspire, just by bringing your whole and complete self into this space. And then taking a moment just to find gratitude for anything that you'd like, something in this moment that you are grateful for. And then just allowing that sensation of gratitude to expand out from your heart, surrounding your body and the space that you're in. And taking one more deep breath in and releasing the exhale completely. And then when you are ready, gently beginning to blink, open your eyes. Mm. Yeah. Welcome. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You're welcome. So we're going to dive right in. And I'm going to start by giving you an opportunity to introduce yourself by sharing your name, where you're from, and what you stand for. Ooh, love that, what I stand for. Um, my name is Valerie Carmel. Uh, that is, my last name is Boise. Um, I am born in Brooklyn, raised in Miami, and currently living in Orlando, Florida. And I stand for women who are powerful and owning their mental health. Mm. Now, New York, are you in New York now? No, no I was born there. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, like, how's the weather? Today was 77 degrees in Orlando. <laughs> Lovely. Yes, it sounds a lot like Long Beach, California <laughs> right now. So good. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so born in New York. Now, did you just migrate in adulthood or how did you get from New York to Florida? What was that like? Um, my, my parents are from Haiti. So you imagine some very tropical Caribbean folks, you know, living in the snow was not their jam. Um, me and my brother were getting quite sick during the winter seasons, and so we relocated to Miami when I was probably about six years old, and I pretty much lived in Miami off and on from the time I was six until I moved um, to Orlando like four or five years ago. Mm. 
Okay. So Miami is home to me. Miami is home. Yeah, I I uh, I don't blame them for not liking the freezing cold. I <laughs> am a Southern California native. I was born in Inglewood and then moved around a lot as a child. We lived in Portland, then we lived in Utah, then back in LA area, and then in the late eighties, my parents moved out to the high desert area, which. When I was 12 years old and we left Inglewood and moved to a place called Apple Valley in the middle of the desert, I thought we were in the witness protection program because I was like, who, there's no one here. Where are all the people? Where are the sidewalks and the streetlights? Why do we live here? So um, when I decided, yeah, when I decided to go away to college, I spent some time in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then, you know, gradually made my way back to California, which is home. So I can appreciate 70 degree weather in February, you know, absolutely. I'm I'm definitely a sunshine, a sunshine girl. So when you think about what you stand for, I, I like what you said about inspiring and empowering women to really own their mental health. Can you speak to that a little more and tell me what that looks like for you? Um, so I am a therapist by profession, but I also struggle with anxiety. And being a woman of color, family from the Caribbean, mental health was just not a thing that was really talked about. You know, my family did a great job in terms of and making sure that I was, you know, had a sense of like family oriented and being concerned about you know, my community and my and the people that I come in contact with. But my mental health was never something that was really discussed and honed. And it wasn't until I became a therapist and really started to talk to other families and talk to clients and talk to patients and be in that space that I realized how much of my own mental health was affecting the way that I saw the world. And it was affecting the way that I showed up in my relationships. It was affecting the way that I showed up with my clients. It was affecting the way that I saw myself. And that was a reality that I didn't think I was expecting Mm -hmm. um, to come face to face with. And, you know, life happens to all of us, right? We go through things that we didn't expect that really kind of challenges us. And I had, and I went through a period of time where I went through a, a depression. I had gone through several miscarriages. I had, um, you know, I had gotten fired from my job and, you know, money was funny. I mean, it was a lot of stress on me. And my mental health suffered so greatly. Mm. Um, and from that point, I realized how much my mental health was affecting everything else. I'm talking about my hair was falling out. I would literally like run my fingers through it and it would fall out. My skin, I was breaking out in hives almost every single day from all of the like angst and stress just inside of my body. And I realized I didn't want to live my life like that. And that wasn't the way that I wanted to show up for my son, that wasn't the way that I wanted to show up for my family, it wasn't the way I wanted to show up for myself. And I really started taking back what that meant to me. Um, And it's still a process. 
Um, most days I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I give myself most days a B plus. Um, most days I'm doing well. Um, but there are some days that it just kind of like throws you and you're like, oh, that's new. I wasn't expecting that reaction or that situation to happen. And you just learn to kind of, okay, now what? And I want to inspire other women to know that just because you struggle with anxiety or you struggle with depression or you've experienced trauma, that this is your life. Those things may have happened to you, but they are not who you are. And you have the right to have a life where you feel healthy in all aspects. So um, that's kind of what it means for me. Yeah, no, that's... I think educating women and inspiring women to know that taking ownership over their health, period, is a revolutionary act, you know, and then to inspire them to take ownership of their mental health is a revolutionary act in itself. You know, my family on my mother's side there's a history of of mental illness my my grandmother my mother's mother you know she passed away in 2017 when she was in her early 90s and so back in the 40s you know in the 50s when she was a young mother of eight children living in new orleans struggling with what they called manic depression and hysteria you know back in the day and they would take women and over medicate them or institutionalize them and never ever offering them any sense of empowerment when it came to their mental health and so i watched my grandmother really struggle for the majority of her adult life with un un unseen traumas and unspoken stories and things that she really just carried with her and you know i watched the decline over time happen as her mental health wasn't being treated with counseling it was only being treated with medication and it wasn't until she was in her 80s that there were you know decisions made to say maybe we should explore something different maybe we should see if we can get her to start talking about some of these things that were happening that were going on for her and that's when she really started to tell her story and i would say from watching her experience even as a young child into an adult, that was my first indicator that taking ownership of my mental health was my right. And it was also my responsibility to really show up, like you said, as a woman, as a mother, as a sister, as a daughter, etc. So so I, I affirm that, that it is definitely a, a necessary function, I think, for for us as women, especially as black women, to really inspire one another to say, hey, sis, how are you? You know, what's going on and how are you feeling? And, you know, to get past the I'm good, everything's great, you know, to really dig deeper, because I don't Mm -hmm. think that that was that wasn't something that we even talked about, you know, a lot as a child. So when you think about your experiences growing up and your culture and your family was mental health like a dinner conversation or what did that look like for you? (laughs) No. No. Not even a little bit. Okay. No. Not even a little bit. I mean, you know, you we all have the the members in our families who are a little bit like, you know, hot. We have like the hot head, 
you have the one who kind of like you know is quick to like pop off and like you have the one who's kind of like quiet and doesn't really talk so you, you kind of know your people's personalities right but you never attribute i don't think i ever attribute anything any of it to like actually mental illness i don't think i made the connection until years later when i'm like in college you know learning to become a therapist and i started to like huh my mother has anxiety <clears throat> okay like that's it's like oh that's why she's like this oh my mother has anxiety and that's why i have i struggle with the overthinking the procrastination oh i have anxiety that's what's like it it took a while before it all started to like come together in my own mind and i think oftentimes we're so it's so easy to like catch everybody else's stuff right but when you got to look at yourself it is like whoa that's what this is nah you know like nah maybe it's not that maybe it's not that and then you like you know think of other things and maybe i need to work harder and maybe i need to maybe it's like i'm not sleeping i need to add some vitamins i need to do blah 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 and maybe those things may be beneficial to you but oftentimes we're just focusing on the actual symptom rather than the root of the problem Right. So right. It, it it it's like this new space of like, huh? I'm comfortable saying I have anxiety, mm-hmm. and that was not something that I was comfortable saying. <laughs> I'm sure. Six months ago, right? Like six nine months ago was not something I was comfortable saying, and I kind of went through a, a space of like imposter syndrome mm. of like. How can I be a therapist treating people with anxiety and I have anxiety? Like maybe this is I mean I literally was like maybe I shouldn't be doing therapy. Maybe I should be doing something else. Like I can't. Like I how do I make sense of the person who I am on the inside and this person is supposed to help support and treat other people? Right. Um, it, it, it was a lot of like mixed feelings in that time. Oh, I'm sure. Which is and it's funny. so interesting yeah. when you think of it because as the, the patient, I guess, or the client on the other side of the conversation, the irony of that is to be able to speak to someone who not only has the, the professional training and education, but has lived experience to be able to say, this shit that I'm telling you actually works. <laughs> These are things that I've actually tried. These are practices that, I, that didn't work for me, but this might work for you. You know, because sometimes I think that when when people are thinking about therapy or they're considering therapy, there's so much misconception I think that's that's carried with that. And there's also just anxiety around going to therapy for anxiety, you know? So to be able to have the, I guess, the privilege of being a client that's like, hey, my therapist 
she's overcoming this stuff too. So I feel like I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. It's like this is something that's happening for other people. And I can also understand the imposter syndrome coming up as the facilitator, as the provider that's like, holy shit, I can't, I can't be over here falling apart and I'm trying to help these other people from, from not falling apart. How is this going to work? You know? So. Look, yeah. That's real. Like, it, it, it really was like a space of like, what? Like, how did I get here? Like, what? How did I get here? Because anxiety was not always a thing that affected me. You know, I, I, I definitely always had kind of like the inner, like my own like inner like thought process and mom, like the voices of like, you know, maybe she not said that. So you should do that. Maybe she not do that. But that was probably where I was like, I always had like that part of me that always did the overthinking. The, but honestly, I've noticed that as we age, as we grow, we've gone through more experiences in life and things change. Like, typically, anxiety starts to increase what the exact um, clinical reasons are behind it. I know they're doing studies. They're trying to understand that piece. But people, anxiety tends to get worse as they age. Mm -hmm. And part of that is a lot of just the exposure to more potential things that are stressing you out. Right, you know, when you're six and happy-go-lucky, parents are, you know, taking care of you and buying the popsicles and whatever. Like, you know, it's great to be six. Then, you know, then you're 36 and you got a mortgage and a job and children to raise, and you're like, well, too much stuff on my plate. Right, and so you kind of like gradually recognize little by little. Like, it's almost insidious mm-hmm. the way that anxiety can almost kind of, like, creep in. Yes. And I think that's part of the problem when, you know, I'm speaking to women, especially black women, because I think what has happened is that we have become, we have normalized our stress level. Mm. We have normalized that level of stress. And so you don't recognize like you're kind of slowly starting to creep to a place where I'm accustomed to this. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel stressful. This is my life. You know, I'm always on the go and I'm running and picking kids up and dropping kids off and running and bake sales and whatever. And then you stop. And that's when you realize I'm tired. Tired. Yeah. Tired. Absolutely. And or you forget to pick up your kid from school and just mm-hmm. go all the way home and start cooking dinner. And you're like, you're like no, <laughs> I seem to have forgotten something along the way. You know, I, I'm cooking for two, but there's only one of me here. What's that? Oh, shit. I forgot to pick up my kid, you know, and it's so interesting that you say that we've normalized our stress levels 
And I think that, you know, kind of goes into that strong black woman complex that we feel like we have to live up to and the idea of of succumbing to stress or even admitting stress Mm -hmm. or admitting anxiety can feel like we're not living up to that standard, you know, or this or we're not as strong. And and while it's interesting because something that's been brought into conversations uh, in, in spaces that I'm in is this idea of stress resiliency, how we're able to be resilient even when stressed. And it's like, is that something we really need to be doing <laughs> or can we just rest <laughs> instead? I don't want to be resiliently stressed. I want to rest when I'm stressed. I don't want to be like a super stressed person. You know what I mean? Because I think that what that does is it puts us into this cycle where we think that to admit stress or to acknowledge anxiety means that we're we're broken or we're weak or we're no longer capable. And I think that, and for me, you know, anxiety is something like you mentioned, it's fun to be six. I'm the oldest of five children. My parents have been together since they were 15. They had me at 19. So I have young parents. And when I was six, I was living in a predominantly white area of Utah. Well, Utah is basically all white, but it was a really particularly white area that we lived in. And I was walking home from school at six. I was making after school snacks and I was at home for hours until my parents came home from work. And then some days I went to a relative's house and, you know, would hang out. At six years old, though, I remember having what felt like a lot more responsibility than my peers at the time. And that continued throughout childhood as the oldest, as my mom's confidant a lot growing up, I started to feel that increase in anxiety, like you said, as I aged. So by the time I was in my 20s, I felt like I was in my 40s you know, physically and mentally. And so it wasn't until I was actually able to find safe spaces to think about these things. And I started journaling when I was really young just to get thoughts out of my mind and started recognizing different practices to kind of help me stabilize that I recognized that, okay, anxiety is a, is, it's a thing. It's a part of my, my experience and I don't have to be ashamed about it. I don't have to be afraid of it. I just have to learn ways to cope. So when you think of your own personal practices of of self-care and and wellness, what are some things that you do to take really great care of yourself? Journaling is my jam. I have been journaling since I was like 17. (laughs) You're like, yes, that's that's my jam. Like I, um, I think almost to the point where I think about a year and a half ago, I actually wrote a book on teaching women how to utilize journaling, specifically reflective journaling, to help them learn the best way to like get it all out. So not just from the standpoint of like from like a person who just likes to journal, but also from like a clinical standpoint as to why research says that this is an effective way of coping with anxiety and coping with depression um, and managing your stress levels. And so through that process, like me journaling is like it's like I'm in another space when I'm journaling. Yeah. It is like 
the purest form of release for me. Yeah. It is almost to the, like, between journaling and prayer, I mean, honestly, has saved my life. Because there was a point where I was very depressed in my life, and had it not been for my son, had it not been for my faith, had it not been for my journaling, I honestly don't know where I would be. Because I literally felt like I was unraveling from the level of depression and stress that I felt. And there was so much shame involved in that. There was so much guilt involved in that. You know, when you are the oldest child and the one that everybody comes to, you're the one who's put together and knows all the answers and you have it all together. And then you start falling apart. You're like, holy crap, who am I now? I'm not that person. Right. And I I don't know who I am if I'm not that person. And so journaling to this day is still the way that I kind of like deal with my take care of myself. I still spend I've actually like recently incorporated meditation into it. I found that I actually really like it. Um with an anxious mind and things, random thoughts constantly floating through there. It's nice to just like, quiet. It's nice to just have a moment of like, there's no random grocery list I'm trying to think of things to get at Costco next week. It's just nice, like just beautiful. Spinning has become my, I, I, I started spinning like right before um, the pandemic hit and I was going and then the pandemic hit and I wasn't able to do it, but like, I have a stationary bike at home. I have been really enjoying um, the Peloton app on my phone and like I cycle at home. Like I did like 30 minutes, like a few hours before we started. Like it, it helps to like release some of that like tension and stress and pressure. Um, so I've, I've gotten really good about taking care of myself and that was not something that I was good at at all five years ago I was crap at it mm-hmm. <laughs> ate crappy food I didn't sleep well I mean I almost never went to the doctor I mean I didn't do well yeah. I, I didn't I was great at taking care of everybody else but like I was very are the bottom of the list of priority. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we're talking about that sense of, like, stress resilience, I typically explain it to my clients as a, um, but think about it like weight training, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you go to the gym, you start off with five pounds, and then, like, after, in the beginning, it may be heavy, but after a while, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm going to go to 10 pounds. And then, like, after that, wow, you're like, you're 20. Your feelings shouldn't be treated like weight training. Right. Right. You shouldn't think that because now you handled 20 pounds of stress that now you need to be like, oh, so now I can handle 30. Ah. It doesn't mean you need to add more. <laughs> you don't need to, like, add more actually need to decrease it right like you want to take off that stress you don't want to say yes i've handled 20 
um, let's do another 20. No. <laughs> no. And that's where, and no, it's like you said, not your feelings way. are not weights, you know, because when you think of, like you said, like weight training, when you're weight training, you're intentionally, you know, breaking down your muscle fibers and then building them back up again. So when you think of stress, stress doesn't build you back up. It just breaks things down. You know, it affects your sleep. It affects your diet. It affects everything. Your physical health can be affected by stress. Stress is what causes heart disease and all these other things. And so I think getting to getting to a place where we really can understand the value of making ourselves the most important person in our lives, making ourselves number one, top of our list, you know, number one, highest, you know, honor in in our mind is ourselves. And I think that that's something that we're learning in adulthood because as children, we weren't necessarily taught that, you know, just if we think of even some of the language that we use and oh, she's so full of herself and oh, that's a bad thing. And oh, she's so self-centered. And it's like, I should be at the center of myself, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I be the most important person (laughs) to me? I mean, doesn't sound like such a bad thing. And shouldn't I be full of me? And, And so I can go out into the world and give as a full whole person. So it's interesting. I've been having a lot of conversations about language and understanding how as we're rewriting these stories, as we're empowering ourselves to own our mental health, that changing the language that we use even to describe what that process looks like is really important because we're we're unlearning a lot of things that we learned as as children or in our youth and we're we're creating new beliefs and new systems and new programming for ourselves. So I like that, you know, because I too was at the bottom of my list, you know, being the oldest, you know, being parentified essentially at a very young age, having the responsibility of younger siblings, and then having a child in my 20s, and then taking responsibility there, and then also just being a a natural caretaker type personality and, you know, giver, you know, being that person, I have to be super, super intentional about taking my me time every single day whether it's you know getting up in the morning i'm an early riser i'm usually up before the sun as soon as the sun comes up i go take my walk i'll take a walk sometimes for 30 minutes sometimes for 45 sometimes for a whole hour come back make my tea i sit i'll do a meditation and then i get into my day and there was a time when i didn't do that there was a time when I would wake up, just one eye open. Okay, let's go. Let's get the kid. Let's get in the car. Let's cook this. And then look up and be like, wait, am I even awake? It's 11 o'clock. You know, it losing total track. So I totally understand. I totally understand. What is your... Now, you mentioned you have a sibling. Or is it just the two of you? Or do you have a, a big family? Mm-hmm. Just, a, just me and him. Aw. Okay, and what's your relationship like with your brother? Is this is mental health something that you guys talk about openly as well, or how is he? Um, now it is. Okay, now it is. I'm I'm constantly, constantly like on about it. Yeah. Like, actually, um, so he's my he's we're exactly three years apart, and I saw him the other day, and I go, "You need to talk to somebody." He was like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> I'm like, "No, seriously, like the pandemic." Like, things have changed, you have to change jobs, or whatever, I'm like, dude, right. speak to someone. Right. And then he kind of looked at me, and I said, he's like, yeah, you're probably right. 
And so like, and I was like, listen, I'm looking for a therapist. Like, not because I'm like unraveling or falling apart or like, right. you know, I think my life is awful. Like therapy is not for, you know, it's not about, you know, I'm broken, mm-hmm. let somebody fix me. Right. Therapy is about growth. It is about, I want to understand better who I am, why I do what I do, and how can I become the, go to the next level of my, of my evolution. That's what this is about. Like, it it isn't about, you know, I think that the connotation of like what therapy is about, people get all very freaked out and, you know, and oh, you know, has to, and I, and I do that for like when I have discovery calls for clients who want to start. I do that because I want to say, what do you think therapy is? What are you looking for in a therapist? Like, what do you think this is going to look like? Or how do you want this to look like? Because this time is not about me. This time is about you. Mm -hmm. What do you want to get out of it? And most people are like, huh, never thought about it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's in it's 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 I think I think what's good about what's happening right now is because the topic of therapy and mental health is finding its way into more conversations. It's finding its way. I mean, it's all over social media. It's on television. It's in movies. It's everywhere. Whereas, you know, even 10 years ago, it wasn't something that was part of the daily the daily dialogue. It just wasn't, you know, taking mental health days from work or from school wasn't something. I mean, it was something that I practiced, you know, with my son. We had an agreement where he could get like at least one mental health day a month where it was like, I'm not sick, mom. I just need a day. I just need a day. And it's like, okay, cool. We're going to sit. We're going to talk. We're going to have conversation because I recognized early that when I started my own journey of healing and and like you said self-awareness and I love what you said is that it's not about being broken it's about growth it's about gaining a better understanding of self and who we are through conversation through counsel and just through guidance and so I think that now that we're having more open dialogue about the importance of therapy we're also able to speak to it from our own personal experiences and to also say there's lots of different types of therapists out there. There's lots of different methodologies for therapy. There's not a one size fits all for everyone. And to feel confident enough to say to our friends and our family, I think you need to talk to someone. And it's not because I'm saying something's wrong with you or because you're broken. It's I want to see you grow. I want to see you level up. I want to see you get to the next level of greatness. And I think that it'd be great if you had somebody to support you with that, you know? Time for a break. Time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. So, yeah, I I agree. Well, 
I would like to switch gears just a little bit. And this is the portion of our conversation where we play a little, a little bit of a, a little, I call it a little game, but it's really, it's more of a game for me because I get to learn more about you. So I know we've talked a little bit about <laughs> what you do as a, as a professional and we've heard from your professional opinion. So I'm going to ask you some questions and what really give you an opportunity to complete the sentence so that we can learn a little bit more about you, the woman, the Valerie behind all the therapy. Okay. So I'm going to give you a sentence okay, cool. prompt and you complete it, take up as much or as little space as you'd like. The first is I am happiest when. I am happiest when. I'm sitting on my back porch, listening to the rainfall with a cup of tea and my son near, and my son and my, and my dog next to me. That's what I'm happy with. Yeah. That's good. I like that. How about, I know I'm fed up when... in English and in Creole, I'm done. <laughs> Put it forth in me. Finish. And if I and if I like start quoting scripture in between the cussing, just walk away. Walk away. Cause I'm trying to ask God to help me in the moment because I know I'm getting out of pocket. So I'm like cussing. <laughs> And praying at the same time. You get at just mm. stage left. Stage left. Exit stage left. Rapidly. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Just get on up out of here. Expedition. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Understood. Okay, y'all. Hope you heard that. Okay. Valerie starts cussing in Creole and English. You already know. And she starts praying. Stand back. Stand back. Right. Stand back. Right. How about, I know I've made an impact when? Oh. I know I've made an impact when I see the person blink and their eyes get big. Mm. It's like a moment of, like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. That look when that when I'm talking to a person and they have that moment of like, huh, love that. Yeah. Love that. That's how I know that I've dropped like a seed. That makes me feel good. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. How about I want to be known for my Transparency. Yeah. Like, I want people to, when they talk about me, to say, she's real. Like, she, who she is in this moment, the next moment is exactly who she is. 
That's good. Not a front. It's not a thing. It's not a facade. It is who she is at all times. Yeah. That's what I. That, that's what I strive for. Yeah. That's beautiful. Transparency is so. It just it creates a sense of safety, for me, to know that, like you said. Whether I meet her on a Tuesday, a Friday, or 10 years later, she's going to be a real person. I like that. And the last one is, I showed myself love today by... Ooh. Getting on that bike when I really wanted to take a nap. <laughs> That's what I'm talking I... about. Listen, I was like, I really just want to sleep. But I was like, my God, I didn't work out this morning. And I knew that I would feel better if I did. So I got my little juicy self up on that stationary bike, <laughs> doing my headphones and, you know, listening to a 30-minute hip-hop ride. And that did it for me. Good for you. I do this for me. Yeah. Good for you. That's how I showed myself some love today. Good for you. Well, before I release you into the rest of your your day, I work with this Oracle deck specifically for the podcast. It's called the Oracle of E, and it's a super fun, lighthearted deck, and there's exactly 52 cards. So I just want you to choose a Ooh. number between 1 and 52. I'm going to go with 18. That's 18. My All right. Let's see. So the message for number 18 is musing right along and musing right along. And it, there's a little guidebook. So I'm going to share a little more musing right along. Might as well write your acceptance speech. Your creative mojo is in rare form. Inspired ideas, brilliant schemes, and colossal plans are streaming in from every direction, courtesy of your inner muse. Get out a bucket and drink in the sweet nectar of inventiveness and fun. Ooh, I received that. Take it all in. Yeah. Love that. I love that. <laughs> Yes. Well, this has been such a pleasure and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I just want to say thank you again so much for saying yes to having a conversation with a complete stranger. And I just want you to know that I, I just want to affirm you for a moment and just say I appreciate you for standing for, for women like myself, for standing for the empowerment of women and and being a beacon of hope and light to others and for your vulnerability you. and for your transparency and just for your commitment to being a source of healing for others so i appreciate you and thank you just keep yeah. doing what you do and ah i can't wait to see what thank comes you. for you next <laughs> Absolutely. And now we're not strangers anymore. I know. So. Now we're old friends. So, you know, I'll, you'll be hearing from me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, you'll be hearing from me. Thank you so much, Valerie. Enjoy the rest of your day. I appreciate you.
Thank you so much for just inviting me. It was so much fun. I loved it. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Peace. It's time to wrap this up. And I just want to say very sincerely, thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day. And I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment, I see the light. I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity, and the pure joy that shines within each of you. And I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste. Namaste.